Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Every Irish person knows executing a proper session correctly is difficult. It takes timing, effort, preparation, the right people, the right pub, the right trad band, access to chips, and of course, really good pints. When it comes to athletics training sessions, not everybody knows how to get the most out of these things. I know one person who definitely does. She's the greatest Irish track athlete of all time and also happens to be my co-host on the Irishman Running Abroad, Sonia Sullivan Down Under. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. We're plowing away here through summer, which is a bit of an Irish summer down here this year. Or maybe mm-hmm. maybe a good Irish summer. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of rain, yeah? Well, yeah, a bit of rain. It's, it's not what you'd expect in Melbourne, you know. It's normally a bit warmer. Mm. Um, but we've had some good days and it's, yeah, it's been okay. And you're off to America again at the end of the month, is that it? Uh, yes, I am. I'm going to um, go to Japan for a race with some of Nick's athletes and look after them. And then I'll be heading back to the US, um, yeah, to rejoin the Union Athletics Club and see how they've been doing over the winter and started off on an indoor track season over there, or as they now call it, short track. Yeah, heard this. <laughs> yeah, I have heard the mention of the term. What? Why are they calling it that now and not indoor? Um, I think because there's some indoor tracks that are long, long tracks. Okay, makes um, sense. They're not quite, years, but they're three hundred and something. And yeah, it's all to do with the records, I think. So now people right. are sitting. If you run a time on a short track, there's new chances to set records. Um, for athletes so yeah it's just a new category I suppose and I mean most people think it's a bit silly Um, I suppose it's a bit like swimming they have short course pools and cycling they have short course things I think Mm. Um, and is it a psychological thing that you think you can run around that quicker because it's smaller well people used to think that you could it was slower to run on an indoor track because it was a smaller track there was more bends uh, more laps so mentally it was more draining but now people have discovered that it's actually faster to run indoors and particularly on some of the banked tracks where mm. you get a good bit of spring off of them the weather is totally perfect um the temperature can be perfect um yep. so a lot of people and you know top athletes are taking advantage of this and getting their olympic qualifying times out of the way early well, Sonia, I have to, as you head back to the States to get stuck into sessions with uh, the Union Athletic Club athletes, this must be on your mind, our topic for the day. And with that in mind, I dug out some of your old training plans. One particular stood out, October 1986, Sonia Sullivan's junior training plan includes a session that consisted of a 15-minute warm-up, jogging and stretching, and then five one-miles fast. The times for these five miles, I uh, had to rub my eyes and double check, is this correct? The 515, 5.12, 5.20. And for those that are not in miles, let's be clear that 5.15 is a 3.16 per kilometer pace that you were running as a 16-year-old. I mean, you must, you must scratch your head looking at that. 
Uh, were those, those weren't the first sessions you were doing. And um, what were you? Well, I mean, I'm not sure they might not have been a mile either, you know. I mean, that was my version <laughs> of a mile. <laughs> okay. Because I immediately thought everyone around sessions now are programming their sessions into their watches. Or if they aren't doing that, they're, they're doing it recently. You had a stopwatch on your wrist, I'd imagine, at that time. Yes, and we used to, we were all, it was always a big debate, you know, how far is a mile around the track up in Cove? Okay. Which is, I think, 536 meters around or something like that. Um, <laughs> I suppose, yeah, if you could do maths, you might be able to work it out. But we never really knew how far it was. We used to just guess how far it was around that track. And then you'd guess, you know, the extra bit that you needed to add on to it. And, you know, there's a part of that track runs downhill and there's part of it goes uphill. So, yeah, I have a lot of, I suppose, recordings of my sessions when I was quite young. And um, some of the times are very impressive, but I'm not so sure about the accuracy of this. <laughs> OK, well, you're being very there modest there. Because you were up back then, there was no, there, there probably was a wheel if you had access to one where you could walk around and measure it out. But generally... <laughs> your coach would have just taken some giant steps and counted the meters guessing totally. And uh, <laughs> and that's what they came up with. But like, yeah. it's, it is amazing to have a documentation recording these 16 year old you had obviously at that point, had you secured the Villanova scholarship at that point or was that um, down the road? Wait, 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 what, what month was it again? October, 1986. No, probably not. No, I don't think I, I went to visit Villanova in April 1987. And then yeah. I decided it after that. So, right. Yeah. So it was close to thing, that time. Yeah. The one thing with those sessions, you know, that people could kind of relate to is that even though it may not have been an exact distance, um, the whatever I decided was the mile, then, you know, that was it. And so I could, every mile was the same. Mm. Um that session again then you ran the same we had the same markers out there you know we'd have you'd have a tree you know that you would start at and a tree that you would stop at and those trees didn't move yeah. <laughs> so, um, well they could just as easily have been long miles that's what i thought as well it says here as well that you said you felt okay after uh felt okay with most of the reps except the second one and you list that you're in your oregon shoes on grass so that's another <laughs> Another thing, the Oregon shoes, do you know, was that a nickname you had for the shoes? Were they, or were they actually Nike Oregons? They were actually Adidas Oregon Adidas shoes. Oregons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they were kind of one of the probably shoes that people loved back at the time. Yeah. Not meant for grass, though. Um, oh, it would just be like running in normal shoes on grass. Right. Yeah. Because oftentimes when I would train on the grass, you would wear your spikes just running around there. Oh, my God. I'm looking at the Oregons right now. People should pull this up. I might put it in the uh, in the notes. Because to say the Oregons look like a pair of fashion shoes that you might find in a Voca would <laughs> be an understatement. Maybe These now, ones, yeah. <laughs> there was no plate or sp spongy super foam in these these were basically flats oh yeah they were just like regular running shoes oh no I mean, hang on you have these are you have you don't have it's not the gazelles you have there now are they no no i have the adidas oregons and they they're still selling these these are still a retro shoe they have a kind of a webbing along the side yeah, 
Evan, and, that, was, uh, that was the cool thing, yeah. yeah. That was the cool thing, yeah. That was, that was the tech. Um, so let's get into how people screw up their sessions. Obviously, you were a 16-year-old kid there doing those, and you even listed second one didn't feel as good as the first one. Was that because you went too fast on the first one? And is that the principal error that everybody makes with their sessions? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be in a mile, you know, it could be the first lap of um, of the first mile could be too fast or the first lap of the second mile might have been too fast. Um, it, it's, it's not always easy to get the pacing right. Um, but once you find it, then you can settle in. And, you know, particularly if it's a long session, then, you know, you don't overreach or overstretch the effort that you're doing and um, you, you manage it really well. So mm. a lot of that comes down to feel and, you know, trust in yourself um, that you don't always feel like you have to be searching for, you know, that extra I suppose pace or the the extra the delivering of a a time you know beating your time from the last time or you know always trying to be faster but trusting yourself and having the confidence that you know I'm just going to do this at this prescribed pace here and I'm not competing with my watch I'm just doing the session and I'm going to do it at a steady pace that I'm supposed to be doing it at not trying to be as fast as I can because you Oftentimes you will set a session for somebody and they think that it's really good if they come back and tell you how much faster they run the session. And yeah, I think you're talking to somebody that has done that a few times. And you've sent me a, a session that's prescribed at a certain pace, but it must have been so hard back in those days to stick to the pace. Now you have a watch that beeps when you're going too fast. How, how does a person, if they don't have a fancy watch, stay at the pace is it just a matter of feel and control i think it's it, down to feel and i think you, probably back then over time you you got a sense of what the pace was or you knew what pace you could you know complete the mile in or the 400 meters or the one kilometer whatever it was you were doing um the 10 mile run or the five mile run like you just knew what that pace was um mm. And, you know, some there was probably definitely times when you would start off too fast and you'd be enthusiastic and, you know, oftentimes the pace didn't really mean anything. It would take a few sessions and repeating the sessions over and over again before you really understood what you were supposed to be doing and, you know, how to get the, the most out of these sessions. Mm, and that is what people are interested in here, because as you've explained, the two most important things each week are your long run, in the sessions. We are, of course, on the road to Cove. Sonia's handpicked a very select group of our listeners to train them for her 10-mile road race in Cove on April 7th. You can, of course, sign up for the race. You just go to Eventmaster and search Cove 10. It is the meet-up run of the year. Sonia will be there. We'll all be there. Listeners of the show from all corners of the world gather in Cove for a great weekend of running crack, meetups and pints, of course, proper sessions as well. And as we head into week three, the sessions you have prescribed the gang are going to become more and more important. Why don't you tell people about the session you've prescribed for the runners this week and what the significance of the session is 
with the in terms of the bigger picture of training for a 10 mile race yeah well i mean the the sessions really are just a breakdown of a run and trying to be a bit more specific in in pace and effort um, right to try and allow the other runs during the week to feel a little bit easier and the the big thing with this weekly plan that i've written out is that it, it really is just a guide and everybody has to look at this and interpret it to how it fits into their week mm. and you know if you need to move tuesday to wednesday or you know have a day off monday or whatever it is i mean you need to you know bring this into your life and work sure. out on sunday evening okay how is this going to work for me now ideally you do the same things over and over again. So you keep it as regular as possible and you try and go at a similar time every time when you're doing your sessions because then your body just gets used to it and it expects that you're going to be asking it to put in a big effort at this time on Tuesday or on a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or whatever day works best for you. Um, yeah. You know, on the weekend, if your long run is on Sunday morning, then, you know, you eventually fit into this little routine and schedule and it fits around your sleeping, your eating, what time you get up in the morning to do the run, who you can meet to do it. And all these things, when they all come together, then you can be most productive with your run or your session and, and get it done. But it, it really is a general plan for everybody that can be made specific to you. And, right. And that's the beauty of it. And that is the beauty of it. And the part as well, you know, to do with the paces is that is so individual to everybody. And only, you know, once you start running, maybe you do a park run, maybe you do a local fun run, uh, maybe you've done one a few weeks ago, then you can, from those times or that big effort that you've done, you can extrapolate out you know, the, the threshold pace. And threshold pace is a little bit slower than probably what you will run for 10 miles. Close. Okay, it's right. Because this has been a big question this week. So what the hell is my threshold pace? Yes. Um, uh, yeah, you, you explain it. So you, you think it's a little bit slower than what your target for the race is? For the for race. Over 10 it's miles. Generally, yeah. it is what you would do for a half marathon. Okay. Um, so if somebody hasn't run a half marathon, uh, how would they calculate that based off their park run time? If you have a park run time, you can, there's, there's calculations that you can do and you can get a, a, a good estimate of, you know, what your threshold is. I mean, of course, the best way to do it is to go and have a treadmill test and you can scientifically have yourself, you can get your lactate threshold done and, and many people do that these days. Yeah. It's really interesting to do if you have the time and, you know, you really want to go down that route. Um, and then you'll get a lot of information. Um, you can, you know, oftentimes in your watch, you get a VO2, it'll tell you your VO2 max. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, even on a Garmin, it will tell you your projected 5K time, which I always find is freakishly accurate <laughs> on the Garmin. Uh, don't go near your fitness age if you if you don't want to feel depressed. But uh, <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm, I'm amazed that my Garmin is giving me fine predictions for my 5K at the moment, and I'm not even running. So I'm Maybe happy to well take, rested, yeah. well, take, be, take it. 
Yeah. Um, so look, look, let, let's look at that session real quick here. So you've two sessions in for people, um, a 10 minute easy warm up with a few strides in there to get the legs moving. Then four uh, to six repetitions of six minutes at threshold pace. Uh, then two minutes easy jog or walk in between, and then a 10 minutes easy warm down. So for those uh, six minutes, is there is there solid advice you would, because you've coached people of all levels. I always forget this, that it's not just elite Sonia's coaching. You coach the, you know, the local high school team there in Melbourne, kids, all sorts. And you must find yourself having to uh, kind of deconstruct things that you regard as clockwork. You know, you just know, well, you do the rep. What do you say to people who maybe are it's their first ever sessions. They're going, never done a session before. What is the guidance you give people there? Well, this session is one where it really just makes a, a normal run interesting. Um, it breaks it up into pieces. And, you know, once you say, okay, hit the watch and you go, then automatically you start to run differently. You pick your feet up, you, you just run at a different cadence, a different movement. And, you have to find that movement that you can carry for six minutes. And so you don't want to be stretching, overreaching towards the end of the six minutes and, you know, huffing and puffing and out of breath because you shouldn't be, that. that's not how mm. this, it's not as fast as you can go. This is comfortably hard. So the gotcha. warm the warm up is very easy jogging, conversation pace. Then the threshold, six minutes, it's just, it's like doing a, a stride for six minutes. You just find a nice tempo and you slot into it and you just run along and you feel right. comfortable doing it. You're not out of breath. You're not trying to run, cover a certain distance in that amount of time. You're just running for six minutes. And, and sometimes I find useful when you do an effort like a six minute effort is if you have your watch beep, maybe every minute or every two minutes. And it just gives you a chance to have a little check and you can check how's your pace going, how's your mm. heart rate going. If you can work out your heart rate, that's, you know, if you have a, a windy day or bad weather day, if there's a couple of hills in there that you have to navigate, then you can just resort to the heart rate and say, okay, I'm just going to go on heart rate today. And when you do that, then you're purely focusing on the effort. And then you're mm. not going to push too hard. Yeah. So that's something definitely that came up when people were contacting me in the group. Shout out to everybody in the squad. An unbelievably supportive gang, I'd have to say. They are a select bunch that Sonia has picked. Like I say, I had no hand in who got picked for this. So commiserations that those that didn't, we are going to be putting the plans up there in the Strava group. There is a Strava Train for Cove 2024 group. We'll pop all the plans there so you can train along and as, say, as Sonia says, adjust it for yourself. The heart rate thing came up because when people couldn't quite calculate their thresholds and uh, marathon pace or easy pace, the heart rate's always going to be there. As you said last week, that that doesn't really change. It's just the who you, how fit you are and how efficient you are will change. But easy pace will still be keeping your heart rate in or around 140 to 144, right? 
Well, again, the heart rate is different for everybody, and that's probably more tricky to find out than the threshold. Um, there's there's ways of doing it. Certain sessions you can do to try and figure out your threshold heart rate, your maximum heart rate. If you can get your maximum heart rate, mm. then you can do the percentages for the threshold. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's what I mean. It's like once you go to your your park run, and as Vinny did with me give it a lash, give it as hard as you can go. The return will be there. You'll see what it is as high as your heart rate's going to go. And then you can go to any one of these websites to figure it out from there. And if you are, you know, if you are struggling with this, drop us a line, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com and I will find an answer for you or help you out as best I can. Yeah, Uh, I mean, what I can do is I can, I mean, we can do some pace suggestions for people. So if you run 20 minutes for 5K or 25 or 30 and say, okay, well, this is approximately your threshold that you would be aiming for. Mm. And then people can, you know, base it off of that. And if we have these windows that you can operate within, then you will see if which, which side of the window you're closer to. And I think once you have in your head what your threshold pace is, you'll, you'll figure it out that it's it's a really nice pace to be able to run at and mm. it's it's not a hard session it it wears you down after a while like towards the end of it you will start to feel tired but it'll be more your your legs will start to get tired if you're not used to it then you're like your your breathing and your your heart it, it won't feel like it's working that hard it's just at mm. a nice comfortable pace and then the other thing with these sessions when i say four to six this is all dependent on you know how much running you have been doing up to this point yes and so you know if I, I you have not been doing a whole lot then you definitely go on the lower end and do four yeah yeah if you're not been doing anything at hardly anything at all then just do two yeah so you that's know. a question again that came up was that for a lot of people they'd been running two days a week and now the plan that you prescribed asked them to run substantially more than that in terms of throwing themselves into a plan like this, they do need to be careful, as you say, like, are you saying just lean towards the lower end of things as it, as it begins? Yes. I mean, if you're definitely coming from not a whole lot of running, I mean, I'm not suggesting that anybody goes straight into five days or six days running a week, but this is okay. This is activity time. Mm. And you pick out what you can do running wise in relation to what you have been doing. And then, if you say if it Wednesday there's an easy 30 minutes or on Thursday there was a just a regular daily run 30 to 45 minutes like you might be better off going for maybe the easy run could be a, a walk and maybe go to the gym and do some Pilates or yoga you know just fill the time with something that you feel is helping you to recover from the session the day before or you can very go, good you can go for a bike ride or you can go for a swim but if you feel like oh no, I've got to do all this, then you can just use that time in a better way for you. You know, it doesn't have to be all running. I mean, yeah, ideally, if you're up to that point where you can do all this running, that's great. But if you're not, if you haven't been running this many days in the week, then you you can't just go from running two days to running five or six days. It yeah. just doesn't make sense to do that. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of converting one of the days into a bike day or something. 
Yeah, I think particularly here, I think on this week three, you know, there's only one day where it says easy 20 minutes or rest. But these other days in here, like Thursday, Wednesday, Monday, they could, you know, just as easily be a rest day, a cross training mm. day, um, a recovery day where you do some other alternative activities like yoga, stretching, Pilates, any of these things that you feel will benefit you because, mm. you know, yeah, running, the more you run, the better you will be, but only if your body is up to coping with that amount of running and you're, and you're used to going out for a run most days of the week. Very good. Well, uh, later on in the show, I'm going to ask Sonia about what happens when a session goes wrong. What happens if you're in the middle of a session and you're like, this is not, <laughs> this is not happening today. Is it okay to go home, call an Uber, get the hell out of there? We're also going to dig a little bit deeper into how it's been going for the squad themselves. I myself had an absolute nightmare of a week in terms of my own health. Went downhill fast after a bit of a health scare on the Monday and picked up the dose that's doing the rounds. Shout out to anybody that is struggling to get back running after that. I know Kira Cullen, one of our squad members, had the exact same experience. We'll get Sonia's advice on how to return to running after something like that. But now we're going to get on the line one of the organizing committee members from the Cove 10. Pete Howie is going to join us for a little bit of a chat uh, as to what you can expect heading down to Cove this April. Talk to Char on 1850 715 815. Good afternoon to you, Pete Howie, winner of Most Improved Athlete at the last Irishman Running Abroad Awards Nights held in Cove in April last year. You're now firmly embedded as one of the organising committee, Pete. How is it going down there? How is all the preparation? Oh, it's it's remarkable. You know, everyone behind the scenes down here making this happen. Uh, you know, it's hard to believe, but it all started for this year as soon as last year finished you know um so much to to, to do and, and to get in place so um yeah you know it's it's only 10 weeks now it's it's remarkable how quickly it's all gone by yeah and you have a a lot like obviously a lot to do and a lot to prepare you are not running it yourself obviously you're going to be too deeply embedded in the organization of the day uh and sonia how are you fixed for running it what like i know you are returning to running but what is uh what's your timeline for returning do you think you'll make uh, it this year i'm i'm not 100 percent sure yet i'm um i've not been running at all recently um so i've just trying to maintain some level of fitness with a bit of swimming and cycling and gym and stuff um mm. but i am kind of thinking now that yeah maybe i'll you know especially as we're talking every week and you know connecting with all the people signed up I'm starting to think, oh, maybe I should get out there and do a bit of jogging and walking at least and <laughs> see yeah, what I can. Well, look, uh, yeah, but having having you there, Sonia, as the centerpiece of the thing is obviously fundamental, Pete, but uh, the the race itself must be gathering steam in terms of the sign-ups. Are you seeing a big glut of sign-ups since January and now that people are getting fit in the new year? Yeah, I, I think it's it's great. You know, as soon as Christmas is out of the way, you always see these, you know, people start to commit, don't they, now that we're into the new year and resolutions. Um and, and absolutely like the aim has to be to to top the, the thousand entries for, from last year and take it up a, a level in terms of in terms of um competitors again. So, you know, hopefully it keeps on the trajectory is going and uh mm. 
and the volume and the numbers get there. So last night, uh, the race posted the route, uh, kind of a, a 3D virtual reality route. I don't know if you saw this, Sonia, on Instagram. Uh, and I, I'm always reminded of how beautiful the run is and how, uh, you know, you guys probably just take it for granted that like, you know, that that's the route, <laughs> that's the loop we run for this thing. But it is stunning the way it goes along by the water and then sweeps into town uh like is that like are you both aware of how beautiful the run is or is it just like yeah i mean but where else are we gonna run well i, I think well, that the nicest the route ever looks is on the day of the race it's amazing yeah. it's always been one of the best days of the year um so we've been so lucky with that that when you do go and run it you kind of think wow this is just great and you appreciate it so much you know, to have this mm. on our doorstep. Pete, do you get people getting in touch now going, um, excuse me, uh, how hilly is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, people asking, is it still as hilly as last year? Unfortunately, it is. But, um, you know, the, the, you, that route you mentioned yesterday, the, the, the flyby route that we put up yesterday, there was a couple of us actually went out on the course and purposely just ran it uh, at that chatty, easy to like pace. And it really does bring it all back to when you when you take the time to look around and appreciate it and have the chat on the route, it is by, by far the most beautiful uh, route you're going to come across in any of the races around the country, you know. So, um, you know, like you said, we take it for granted. You know, we're out, in the, we're out on a section or all of the course most weeks. Uh, it is easy to forget how, how, how good mm. and how, uh, you know, how, how challenging, but at the same time rewarding the course is. But um, we're very excited every time we bring all these people down to, to join us on it. I mean, that is what it's all about, isn't it, Sonia? Is the gathering like it is like a return for a lot of people. They fly in for this race and afterwards the meetup uh, on the promenade there for the presentation and the crack afterwards. It's such a key part of it. But do you have any plans for post-race party or get together or is it the same as last year uh, meeting in the donkey for uh, <laughs> the other type of session? That we're not- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know but um, I will definitely uh, keep you all uh, posted on it to be honest. I haven't heard too much about what's happening after it. There's been so much still needs to be put in place for, for before and during it, right? But what, one thing is for sure is that, uh, you know, the, the, the events will continue into the evening in yes. <laughs> some way or another. That's the first part of our episode. You're going to need to come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad to hear the rest of it. I want to give a quick shout out to Ricky Wynn and Ian O'Brien, who are both members of the Irishman Running Abroad Strava group who are nominated for the Outsider Awards this year. Head on over there and give them a vote. Two extraordinary Irish athletes who deserve your vote. Uh, That's uh, it. Each week we do half the episode here and half on Patreon. If you're following Sonia's training plan, if you want to get more from your episodes, the only place to be is patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Give me a shout if you want to be added to the Irishman Running Abroad WhatsApp group. If you're boring the arse off your family with talk of running, this might be the place to be for you where you can talk to like-minded people, get answers on questions that your family won't have. Just message me, Podcast at gmail.com. I'll see you over on Patreon. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. 
Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress, 